Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today. Six months after President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal. The sanctions target Iran's shipping, financial, and energy sectors all key to the country's already struggling economy. Bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia. We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican Breaking news out of Pittsburgh. The man accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh is pleading not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial. He's facing a 44 count. So, in the final seconds before the Boeing 737 Max crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed. You've now entered the House of Mystery. Crime, conspiracy, history, and science. With your hosts, Hal Warren, Mike Brown, Julie Serve, Michael Butterfield, Dr. Joseph Usinski, and Michael Hawley. Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and we are at the interview part of the show. Um, joining me to do the interviews, I've got people from around the world. We've got uh, the famous Michael Hawley, who does the uh, Jack the Ripper murders. Hello. <laughs> and he's just washing the blood off his hand now. A knife. Uh, yeah, and we've got uh, Brian Turnoff. I'm tipping my hat to all of you. Thank you very much. Hello, hello. And yeah, Mind's Eye Podcast. How's that going? It's going going good. Can't complain. Um, but I'm here doing House of Mystery, so let's let's focus here. Number one. <laughs> yeah, because my mind can't see. Um, <laughs> now today, um, uh, I've I talked to uh, our guest before, and uh, he's he's got the book out that he's been talking about doing finally, and he had Brian Whitney help him out with that. So we've got. Uh, Carl De Niro, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, thanks for having me. So the book is called Son of Sam and Me. Now, um, 
I kind of know the story. I kind of know what's going on and, and everything, but I know a lot of listeners won't know. So uh, first of all, um, how do you fit into the Son of Sam murders? Um, how, did, how did you get involved? I, I involuntarily, to, uh, to say the least. Yeah. But, uh, I, was, uh, I was shot um, on October 23rd, 1976, which turned out to be um, the second uh, Son of Sam shooting. Maybe let's set this up. So the Son of Sam is uh, better known now as David Berkowitz, uh, who did get arrested and put in jail. He killed uh, half a dozen people and wounded many. And this was in New York City in the uh, mid-late 70s. Um, so maybe maybe set the stage of what you were doing that day and how it happened you got shot. Well, it was... Uh... Those five days, uh, I had enlisted in, in the Air Force uh, in a delayed entry program, so I was scheduled to report to uh, Lackland Air Force Base uh, on October 28, 1976. So five days before, uh, just uh, you know, being a typical 20-year-old, uh, went out with my friends, uh, kind of like uh, the last round of my final goodbyes. Uh, we had gone to a party, a house party that really wasn't that good. So we went back to the bar, the local uh, neighborhood bar that we hung out at. And um, there I ran into uh, to a, a friend, uh, Rosemary Keenan. So we, we had a few drinks and decided to uh, to get away from the maddening crowd. So we got into our car and just drove around the neighborhood that was actually my neighborhood in uh, North Flushing, New York, and um, came to a, uh, a spot that looked like a good place to make out and um, pulled over in front of uh, a darkened house and uh, we started making out. And I don't know, four or five minutes later, all, all, uh, all hell broke loose. Um, at the time, I didn't know that I was shot, but um, all the windows were, were blown out. Or the back window, I shouldn't say all the windows, but the side window and the back window was blown out, and I had uh, glass shards all over me. Um, again, I didn't know I was shot, but I knew I was in trouble. And I told her, you know, start the car, get out of here. And um, and we headed back to um, to the bar that we started at, which was about 10 blocks away. Uh, I got out of the car, walked into the bar, and uh, basically collapsed. Uh, where uh, that's my friends realized that I was in uh, dire need of medical attention, and they drove me to Flushing Flushing Memorial Hospital. And so you had no idea. What what were you thinking when the back window smashed out? Were you thinking that there was just burglars or somebody was oh yeah uh, was hassling? Like what what was your thought? You know it did it. it, it it's kind of weird. I guess the adrenaline kicks in and whatever else. Uh, this, I'm, I, I'm new at this, uh, or I was new at this, uh, and thankfully I still am. But um, I I knew I was in trouble. Um, as I mentioned in the book, uh, being a, a bit of a smart aleck, I told the cops that I threw an ounce of pot out the window um, on my departure from the uh, shooting scene. So I knew... I mean, that tells me right there I knew something was up. But I, I I really, I didn't hear any gunshots, and I didn't think I was shot. Um, uh, and, again, it, it, you know, I, I told the uh, the doorman at the bar, uh, when I walked in, he said, you don't look good. And I said, I don't feel good. I said, I think the car blew up, which obviously makes no sense. But uh, that's what happens when you get a forty four in the back of your head. So uh, about four in the morning, I, I got to the hospital around, I guess around 2.15 in the morning. And about four o'clock, a police officer asked me if, if um, you know, he wanted to know if I should call, if he should call my parents. And I asked him what time it was. And he said four. And I said, Dad, I said, no. I said, as long as I'm home by seven, my mother won't know I was out this late. And that's when he looked at me and said, son, you got shot in the head. You're not going home. And that's my first recollection of knowing I was shot. You, you, so when you were shot in the head, uh, so what what effect did it have on you, uh, and how long did it take you to recover from that? 
I was I was in the hospital for three weeks uh, for the first go round, um, basically just um, you know there was no uh, no painkillers except Tylenol, which uh, was was not good. Um, I had a, a, a throbbing headache and um, and a lot of swelling uh, swelling in the uh, in the brain. So uh, they were. You know, every couple of days, the doctors would come in and, and drain fluid from, from the back of my head with this huge needle, which, let me tell you, was extremely painful. Uh, and that that took about, uh, I guess, the, the pain the pain subsided after about two weeks. And uh, in the third week, they released me um, and telling me that I could go home. But I had to stay inside because it was only a, a thin thin layer of skin protecting my uh my brain from the outside world um and then three months later january 20th of 77 i was scheduled to uh go back so they could put a metal plate in the back of my head to uh cover up the uh the uh the hole that the bullet bullet had made so when did you first um realize that it was part of the son of sam shooting my first, my first indication was uh, at a, a civil, a civil hearing um, uh, that uh, the victims uh, put together. So we went to court, uh, civil court, to decide uh, percentages if, uh, if and when there was any money to be made from uh, the uh, David Berkowitz estate. And uh, one of the lawyers, Harry Lipsick, kept saying to the judge, "You know, other people are involved." And I had no idea what he was talking about. So I asked my lawyer, and, and that's when he told me, he goes, oh, you know, Harry Lipstick thinks other people were involved. And uh, it was interesting, but I didn't really think much more of it. And then ten to seven years later, I read Maury Terry's book, The Ultimate Evil, which uh, is basically the uh, the blueprint for the, uh, the Son of Sam conspiracy. And... Um, and that was, uh, you know, that that was my second uh, second piece of information uh, alluding to a conspiracy. And uh, the third the third piece was um, I happened to run into a, a ballistics uh, detective in around 1990 um, who worked on my case, and he told me that um, that a woman or a 90 pound weakling shot me, and uh, David Barker. David Berkowitz is neither one of those. So uh, I was at that point, I was pretty convinced that, that Maury Terry was uh, onto something. Um, maybe explain this. Like, what, what do you mean by cult? Um, so, so there's going to be people that this is totally out of left field here. They have no idea as far as um, what's been told on news and over the time is David Berkowitz, um, you know, had a dog that talked to him. He heard voices and he, uh, would go out and shoot all these people. So um, now you bring up cult. So what exactly do you mean by that? Well, uh, like I said, the the, the basis uh, the basis for you know for, for me even mentioning the cult is uh, is is the work that Maury Terry did uncovering this cult. Um, there was some some clues during the actual um, shootings. Uh, the uh, the son of Sam left. Uh, left a note um, at one of the shooting scenes and also sent a note to uh, to uh, Jimmy Breslin, who was a, a New York Daily News uh, investigative reporter. And um, in one of the letters, uh, he, he, the letter mentions um, some names, uh, you know, uh, the, the Wicked King Wicker, the Duke of Death, Duke of Darkness, 22 Disciples of Hell. Um, and and that uh, that really didn't go anywhere uh, during the investigation for for various reasons that I I'm not even sure why why that uh, the police didn't uh, follow up on some of those clues. Are are you thinking that David Berkowitz was part of a cult and uh, he was doing things for the cult for a certain reason? Yeah, I mean, it, it, in in the Son of Sam letters, you know, the writer, uh, you know, mentioned twenty two disciples, twenty two disciples of hell, um, which I 
you know, today I certainly believe that David Barkowitz was one of those 22 disciples. Um, uh, you know, uh, some other uh, some other people have been identified um, as you know as the 22 disciples of hell. And you know, b- based on the investigation that Maury did, and the investigation that that uh, myself, Maury, and and a few other researchers um, over the last uh, 30 years, um, it's to me it's quite quite evident that uh, more than one person was involved. Um, and you know, uh, you know, you know, a, a conspiracy just just means it involves more than one person. Um, I know it has bad uh, connotations today, but uh, that's all it means. And as far as the cult, there's uh, there's there's more than enough information, um, uh, specifically from the uh, NYPD, that there was a cult uh, uh, that was active in Untermeyer Park in Yonkers, which is the city that uh, David Barkowitz lived in, and um, and Untermeyer Park is a park that he hung out in. What's the, the name of the cult, or do we know? And and kind of what 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 exactly was the point of them shooting you and others? Well, the name of the the name of the cult is is uh, loosely known as the Children, um, although. During the investigation, it really the cult really didn't have a name. Um, it was just this, you know, satanic um, this uh, uh, satanic cult uh, that would uh, have uh, rituals in Untermeyer Park. Uh, and this, this is well documented. There's uh, there's photographs of of the altar that they used. Uh, there was uh, many uh, German shepherds found uh, skinned and obviously killed. Um, and uh, Jim Rothstein, uh NYPD detective, uh, actually uncovered uh, the cult uh, long before the Son of Sam shootings, uh, like in in the late 60s, 68, 69. And he found out that there was this uh, this uh, satanic cult that, um, you know, be, besides worshiping worshiping the devil. Um, they were involved in, you know, major drug uh, drug dealing and um, and procuring young young uh, women. You know, I shouldn't even say women, young girls and young boys uh, for uh, for uh, sexual activity with the uh, rich and famous. So, Carl, a question: When when you got shot, uh, it sounds like it was dark, and you you saw no one, or did you maybe? Uh, make out anybody? Yeah, uh, that's a good. That's a good question because of, of all the of all the shootings, uh, my shooting is is uh, basically. I think it's the only one with with no eyewitnesses. Um, so there's the least amount of information on my shooting, and uh, ironically, of all the surviving uh, uh, victims, I'm basically the only one that has continued researching it to try to find out what happened, why, uh, who did it besides Berkowitz and, and other assorted questions. But no, I didn't, I didn't see anything. Uh, do any of your, uh, do any of your fellow victims, um, surviving ones, I mean, do they, do they agree with you at all? Um, have you talked with them? What are their thoughts or do they believe that it is Berkowitz? Well, that's, that's a, it's a very good question, and uh, I'll give you the best answer. Um, most of them, almost all of them, uh, just don't want to talk about it. And, of course, we all handle our own personal tragedies in different ways. So I am not, uh, I'm not um, passing judgment on anyone. Uh, that's just kind of like my personality where, you know, I want to know, and I'm going to ask questions, and I'm going to probably be a little loud and obnoxious about it, um, but uh, it, it, it is kind of uh, interesting that um, uh, that none of the other victims they they did speak obviously uh, at at the time of the shooting, but as the years have gone by, they basically refuse they refuse to do interviews, uh, they refuse to talk about it. I've reached out to um, to several of them, and um, although I am uh, friendly with one of the victims, uh, she um, she uh, 
she she refuses to uh, to you know speak publicly publicly about the case. And staying there, just and staying there. What about what, what about uh, what about Rosemary, the person you were, um, you know that that was the you know your partner in crime and you know vic, in victim victimization. Right, right. What 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 does she think about you know the, the that thought and and you writing this book? Well, I. I, you know, as I, I don't know if I was clear on that, but we we weren't, you know, boyfriend girlfriend. We just kind of hung out in this big group that uh, from Queensboro Community College, um, and I, I think we had gone on like maybe two dates. Um, when after I got shot, uh, I wasn't allowed to have visitors, and um, she she did visit me a couple times uh, in the first couple of days, but uh, after that. No visitors, and then we we basically lost touch. But I um, I was also friends with her with her sister, who um who I reconnected with uh, a couple of years ago, and she tells me that Rosemary refuses to talk about it, e- even with the family, with her family. So she's certainly not going to talk to me about it. I'm curious, and uh, how about the uh, the police at the time? Uh, it sounds like. I mean, it's not the first time, let's say, law enforcement or somebody had a rush to judgment and they get figured they're going to stick to their guns, but uh, it sounds like they, like they were convinced that it was just for quits, or were, were they mixed? Were there a few that uh, thought possibly? Well, it, in my in my particular case, uh, I, I guess I should have mentioned this early, uh, the two uh, detectives that were assigned to my case was uh, Detective Blues and uh Detective Redmond Keenan, Keenan, who was Rosemary's father. Um, I didn't really think much of it until many, many years later when I started talking to law enforcement uh, personnel, and they they told me that's highly irregular. That uh, you know, in, in, a, in a shooting case, that they would assign a detective whose daughter was involved in in the shooting. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's just kind of uh, just kind of weird. Uh, I, you know, I don't think. Um, I think. I think in the beginning, uh, that might have. Um, it might have pushed the investigation in the wrong direction because, um, you know, I was 20 years old. I had long brown hair. Uh, I was a self-avowed hippie, and um, I did smoke pot, and I liked to drink, and um, and here's you know, you know, Rosemary's father, the detective. Now his daughter's involved in a shooting, and um, he wasn't thrilled with me. And they immediately assumed it was a drug deal gone bad, uh, which I assured him it wasn't. But um, to, uh, I didn't really convince him. Uh, and I was, you know, so basically for the six months, the six months I had to defend myself uh, to the police and my mother that it wasn't a drug deal. And uh, I was... <clears throat> Excuse me. I was vindicated uh, in, on March 10th, in 1977, when uh, the mayor of New York City, A. Beam, and uh, the police commissioner Cod uh, announced that they uh, we have a serial killer, five five random five random shootings or seemingly random shootings were all tied to the same gun. They they they, they lost uh, you know they lost some time in looking for looking for the culprit and looking for clues that might have helped them. But, um, but I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't blame them. I don't blame them too much uh, because there was no son. When I was shot, there was no son of Sam. There was no serial killer. Um, and, uh, and I lived in a neighborhood that was very low, low crime. Uh, you know, it was upper middle-class neighborhood. We didn't have shootings. Uh, I don't even think we had robberies back then. Um, you know, so they didn't have much to go on. Um, you know, originally, um, except for um, except for you know a few visits by the two detectives on my case, um, I was never contacted by uh, by the NYPD. Um, you know, for any follow up or or even even when they called Parkwoods, I didn't get a phone call. Um, you know, an official phone call saying, you know, rest easy, we we got your man. Um, you know, I found I found that out through a reporter who called my sister, who then called me. Um, 
So yes, that was you know kind of a, a strange little little thing. But all the information that I had on Berkowitz, I, I had the same information that the general public had by reading newspapers and listening to the news. Um, I thought it was awfully crazy, you know, the talking dogs and all, you know, and all the crazy, crazy stuff that Berkowitz uh, said while he uh, was in the uh, psych ward before he was sentenced. Um, you know, and then since then, he's changed his story like three times. Uh, eventually, he did he did say he made the whole thing up and um and it was you know satanic cult and he's very sorry and there was no talking dog and um you know yeah you could take it for you know for, for, for what it's worth it's he, he definitely didn't help um he definitely didn't help himself by changing his story uh, uh you know three or four times you know as far as me believing him uh i could tell you like today um Here's what I believe. I believe that he did do two of the shootings. Um, I don't think he shot me. Um, I think he was at all the shootings, as as he has stated. He says he was. Um, and, uh, you know, I do know that the police, when they did uh, interrogate him, they asked him, you know, specific questions uh, for each shooting. And, uh, you know, those hidden, hidden clues that the police will keep... Uh, keep from the public so if they catch you know if they catch the uh suspect and they ask him a question and he knows the answer then they know they got they got the right guy um i'm not really sure what questions they had for berkowitz but um uh at, at this stage of the game I, I i just there would be no upside for berkowitz to lie and say i was there but i didn't shoot you you know but i did shoot donna loria you know it's it's kind of like you know either all in or you know, or, or you're not. You had some actual direct correspondences um, with him uh, during COVID, uh, and that ended in November, according to the book. Have tell us a little bit about those correspondences. Did you gain any insight? And and since your last one, anything new come out um, since then? Yeah. So I was actually approached by um, a friend of his. Um, who, who let me know that he was interested in talking to me. Um, I had batted around the idea for, for quite a few years of uh, reaching out, um, but I never, but I never did. But once I found out that he, you know, he was interested in talking to me, I, I said, I have, I have nothing to lose with this one. So um, I started corresponding with him and um you know, as you can in in the book, I, I I printed some of the letters and you know some of my letters and some of his responses, and um, so far it's all you know all fluff. I mean, he hasn't told me anything. Um, uh, you know, he has apologized profusely for uh, for any trouble he's caused me and and other victims and our families, um, which is you know all well and good. That's uh, that's part of the process. Um, you know. Um, and you're sorry, um, but I don't think it's the whole process. And uh, as the letters progressed, I became a little bit more specific and a little bit more um, to the point. Um, and, you know, I, I eventually asked him point blank, you know, do you know who shot me? You know, uh, you know, was, and then the next letter, I actually, I actually mentioned, I just gave first names, I, you know, was it, you know, was it Amy? Was it Wendy? Um, and his response was, uh, in a nutshell, his response was, "Be patient." So that gives me hope, uh, hope for the future that um, I will continue corresponding with him, and um, it gives me hope for the future. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. 
We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. ...that he will eventually give me some, some kind of closure. What's your hopes in writing this book? Like, what did you want people to take away from it? Originally... Originally, I wanted to, um, my daughter convinced me that I, I had a story to tell that other people would be interested in. I, you know, I always thought it was a, kind of an interesting story. Just the fact that I'm alive to tell it makes it somewhat interesting. But I didn't really think, uh, you know, people, you know, my inner circle of friends would uh, certainly enjoy it, but I didn't think other people would. But my daughter convinced me that, um, you know, I got a good story. Um, just, you know, my personal experiences, um, you know, with dealing with, uh, being shot. Um, and then I added on to that, uh, my relationship with Maury Terry, which, you know, I find, um, it's an interesting, uh, relationship. You know, it started out me being like a fan of his book, uh, to meeting him, to, uh, uh, helping him investigate, um, and then be, and, and also becoming very good friends with them. Uh, so, so that, that was, um, that was my original, original goal. But as I started writing the book, I realized, um, as you mentioned in this interview, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people for various reasons, their age or their interests, um, don't know who the son of Sam is or who David Barkowitz is and, you know, what, why it matters. Um, so I realized I had to um, I had to go through each of the shootings. Uh, I had to give a background on Son of Sam, and I had to go through the shootings. Um, during that process, I kind of felt like I was rewriting Maury Terry's book, uh, which I did not want to do. Um, so that became um, that became uh, quite a struggle for me uh, because uh, I needed to tell the, the shooting stories. So so the whole story would make sense. But yet, like I said, every time I got into it, I, I felt like I was just, you know, uh, rewriting the ultimate evil. So uh, hopefully I came up with a good balance. Uh, I, I took out uh, many, many pages uh, um, going into deeper detail in each of the shootings. But like I said, my goal, my goal was to tell my story 
felt, you know, my relationship with Maury and to to uh, present to the public uh, for, for one of the few times uh, that other people were involved. And here's the reasons why. Um, I, I think I came up with a good balance in this book. Did you did you ever try to contact uh, some of the other shooters, other people involved, um, any time during writing the book? Or yeah, no, I I have not, and uh, I think you can imagine why. But <laughs> you know, um, it, it was it, a few years ago. Somebody wanted to do a documentary, and they actually said, "What do you think about walking up to the front door, knocking on the door, and introducing yourself?" And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not that yeah I'm not that bright. <laughs> and you do have to realize that that you know this is you know this is my opinion and opinion of a few others. Um, you know you can't go around accusing people of shooting people without some kind of proof. Um, I think we have. Uh, ample proof, but uh, it's all circumstantial, and uh, a lot of it's based on um, uh, research that was um, corroborated by David Berkowitz, which, as we said earlier, he's not the most reliable. I mean, he could change his story tomorrow. Question that the it, is that cult still active? Do we know, or is it kind of uh, they kind of disbanded? You know, uh, in Maury Terry's book, he, he, you know, he he. He kind of he kind of says it's the process church of a final judgment. Um, my opinion on that is um, I I don't think in its entirety it's the process church of a final judgment. Um, but I do think, and, and actually I know that some members of the process church were definitely involved um, in the Son of Sam shootings and were were part of the 22 disciples of hell. Um, you know, I think when when you deal with true crime, um, you, you have to realize that bad people hang out with bad people. So, uh, you know, that you you might not be a you know a card carrying member of a particular group, but that doesn't mean you, you know pal around with a motorcycle gang that is involved or a satanic cult that was involved. Um, yeah, so. To answer your question, are they still around? Well, we all know that the Process Church is now, now called the uh, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary uh, in Kanab, Utah. Um, and uh, I mean, this is this is open. You know, this is public knowledge. Uh, Michael Mountain actually gave, uh, who was one of the founding members um, of both the Process Church and uh, Best Friends. Gave uh, gave a uh, an interview, um, it, uh, totally admitting that yes, it's the same group. Uh, but he shrugs everything off with, well, you know, back back in the '70s, everyone belonged to cults. We didn't really mean anything. Um, you know, it was just like a way to make money and you know to be cool. Um, I don't buy that, but but that's 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 his story, and I'm sure he's sticking to it. So, question about. David Berkowitz, as uh, like in, in with serial offenders, they, they tend to be having personality disorders like antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and so uh, when I was look, uh, when I uh, seen you know like read on David Berkowitz and watched, he seemed to be antisocial, and it kind of like fits that mold. But if if it's a part of a cult, that would not be a, a serial offender issue. That would be a cult thing, a different thing. Um, has there anybody been, uh, have you ever heard discussion about that with David Berkowitz trying to find out himself, his personality? So, uh, your, your question is, does he have a, a serial killer personality or a cult personality? Exactly. Yeah. Um, God, that's, that's a good question. Um, are you, um, let me think about that. Uh, I know he's a, he's a follower, you know, I mean, we all know. You know, uh, when you're looking for members to join a cult, uh, for the most part, you're looking for the, you know, disenfranchised, the lonely, you know, um, possibly even introvert, but, you know, no friends. And the cult leader promises something, 
you know, uh, eternal life, money, drugs, girls, uh, whatever. Berkowitz definitely fits into that. Um, and, you know, uh, everything I know about him um, definitely fits. He definitely fits into to that. So. Things with uh, serial offenders, one of the most common things is the extreme uh, lack of remorse for what they've done or complete lack of empathy for their victim. You 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 are not alone with that. Um, I would say, you know, based on my uh, not that I've done a study on it, but I I do, um, you know, I do uh, I belong to I administer one, and I I belong to two, um, you know, Son of Sam Facebook groups, and um, I can tell you, out of the 500 members, uh, I would say it's split 50-50 that you know he, he's born again and he truly is sorry, and there's other ones are saying. He's just looking to get out, you know, and um, I don't know. I don't know the real answer. My personal opinion is he's, he's sincere, um, but that's just my personal opinion. If, if, if what you say and what you believe in your heart really is true, you know, a woman shot you, it wasn't Berkowitz, she was part of a cult, um, a satanic one, they still exist, as you said, that's, that's well documented. Aren't you afraid that coming out with this book, um, could you know initiate something else or trigger um, something new? Aren't you afraid that they may have some retribution for this now? I, I, good, that's a good question, and I, I've been asked it quite quite a few times. And my answer is <laughs> no. And uh, I probably should be, or maybe I should be. But uh, my thinking is, if you if you've gotten away with this for forty five years, and someone comes out of the woodwork and writes a book and says, you did it. It just seems to me if you're 65, 70, 71 years old, at this stage of the game, you're much better off just saying, I don't know what he's talking about. He's losing his mind. I have nothing to do with that. As opposed to, you know, getting a gun, putting it in your glove compartment and driving to New York to shoot me. And again, I, I hope, I'm, believe me, I hope I'm right with that assessment. You have to realize that uh, I was 20 when this happened, and uh, the, the players, uh, almost all the players were 24 to 31 at the time. So, you know, there are the, you know, I mean, Barkowitz is probably one of the younger younger ones, and he's he's 67, 68 years old. He was he was I was 20. He was 24. Oh, okay. So he's there. Yeah, so Barkowitz is 68. Going on, yeah, it'll be sixty nine whenever his birthday is. If you, if you read some of the letters, uh, and believe me, it, I cringed that as I was typing some of the letters because um, I'm, I'm generally a, a nice guy, and I don't want to be mean. But um, you know, my life is turned upside down because of him and his friends. Uh, but I didn't want to be like a total jerk. But I, I don't know, when I was rereading the letters, I was like. God, if someone's reading this, they're going to think, like, you know, I made best friends with this guy. Um, and I mean, trust me, we're anything but best friends. Uh, I, I just want I just want answers. Um, and I thought the best way to do it was to um, just appeal to his uh, humanity, whatever, whatever humanity he has. So how has writing the book changed you now? Like, what, did, you, did you learn anything new? Did you come out of it with, with new perspective that you never had before? Well, I can tell you this. What I, what I learned is writing a book is extremely difficult and exhausting. Um, and partly because, partly because of the subject, subject matter. You know, writing about yourself is something I've never done. And, um, I mean, I really don't have any deep, dark secrets, but just writing just personal stuff. Um, that you know, or you hope anyway, that, you know, thousands, you know, hundreds of people are going to read um, is a little disconcerting. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not terrible. I don't stay up, stay up uh, at night worrying about it. Um, but as far as changing my life, um, I, not really. I mean, it's something I, it's something I had to do, uh, something I wanted to do, and I'm, I'm extremely glad that I was pushed uh, pushed by my daughter and by my girlfriend to uh, finish it. Um, and uh, but I'm I'm really I'm glad I'm done.
So now, Carl, you're going to get the bug, and then you're going to turn into a narcissist like us. us. <laughs> well, that's that's what everyone's telling me. <laughs> that's what everyone's telling me. That I'm going to, I'm going to forget about all my friends and you know move to Hollywood. <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> I lived there for two years. <laughs> That's yeah. It was trying to come. I, I left. I left back in the '78 and came back in '80. It was just. It was. It's funny to get away from this, the the uh, the hubbub of Son of Sam. I left New York and went to L.A. again. Not not the best location to go to to uh, get away. <laughs> well, I, I'll never walk away from the case. Um, and like I said, you know, it, it really wasn't the goal of the book, but one of my personal goals is to find out exactly what happened and more specifically who shot me so until i find out the answers to that uh, i don't see me stopping what i've been doing for the last you know uh, 40 years um who knows it might it might turn into another book um it might not um but believe it or not as old as this case is and as much uh, research that that i've done personally and shared with other people and vice versa, them sharing with me. Um, I get new information almost every other day. Um, but most of it's nothing earth shattering. It's just a connection. You know, this guy is related to this person who is related to this person. And, uh, you know, and of course, most of it surrounds um, Yonkers, uh, which is the epicenter of uh, Son of Sam. Um, you know, my other, my, my other, my other kind of like uh, hidden or personal goal is uh, to find out um, why the victims were shot, including myself. Um, I do not believe for a second, uh, you know, the, the the law enforcement theory that Berkowitz or anyone else got in a car, drove around for hours waiting, waiting for the perfect chance, because if that was it, there would have been there would have been shootings every other night. I mean, it's New York City and it's, and the vicinity is, um, you know, it's we're, we're walkers. You know, we're we're not out west. We're not in cars. We're walkers. There's, you know, on, on any given hour on any given street, you can find somebody walking down the street. Um, so, I, I would like to know, you know, and and who knows if I ever get the answer, but I'd like to know. Uh, why, why, how the victims were chosen and why, you know, I have theories on some of them, um, you know, I mean, I could share, uh, you know, mine for sure. Um, I have nothing in my past that, um, that has anything to do with, um, you know, drug sales or satanic worshiping or, uh, pedophilia or anything, anything that I know is associated with this group. Um, but as as we talked about earlier, um, you know, the girl I was with, her father was a detective. Um, there could be something there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Red Keenan is uh, long gone. Uh, he, he passed away in the, in the 80s. Um, so I'll probably never know. Um, but, uh, you know, with with seven, seven different uh, seven different uh, cases, um, I'm hoping to. Uh, find some kind of common thread. Now, uh, quick question. Quick question then is, I heard that if uh, it's a possibility of an initiation, maybe it could have been opportunistic. Uh, you know, just that this is what you have to do at this amount of time or something like that. Then that would be the common thread that it was opportunistic. But uh, but it would be interesting to, to find out more of that for sure. Yeah. The, the you know, the... Uh... I don't know who, who, who I should attribute to, but for lack of a better uh, thing, I'll call it the uh, the Maury Terry, Son of Sam thing. Uh, uh, you know, the theory is that uh, some some were, were definite hits, targets, and some were initiation. And, um, you know, mine, you know, in, more, in Maury's opinion, mine fell under the initiation. Um, but, uh, you know, if you take a look at, like, the... Uh, Judy Placido, Sal Lupo shooting at the uh, Elephus. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism there, you know, you know, uh, with the Elephus Levi, who was a, you know, a satanic uh, 
a figure from the, the 1800s and um, uh, the elephant, uh, the elephant name itself. Uh, I, I, it's, I, I, um, I forgive me, I forget exactly uh, the, the tie-in. But if anyone Google's elephant, they'll uh, they'll um, they'll find out. There's a lot of satanic um, stuff, and and of course, uh, uh, Placida um, is also a god of, I think, uh, or a goddess of uh, of futility or Anyway, that's, you know, Placido's last name, uh, you know, the fact she lived on uh, Wickham Street, um, you know, which, uh, Wick, uh, Wick, you know, Wickham was mentioned in one of the letters. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there's just, I mean, that's just kind of, uh, you know, throwing things against, uh, you know, spitballing, throwing things against the wall and see what sticks. There's not a... You know, there's no there's no hard hard uh, evidence on that. It's just a lot of assumptions, and you know, boy, isn't this neat? You know, it's interesting. So, do you think that they stopped killing uh, after the son of Sam was arrested and all that <clears throat> all that happened, or do you think they just continued doing what they were doing anyway? Oh, they uh, without a doubt they continued doing what they're doing. That's that's one of the that question is one of the uh, favorite questions that law enforcement likes to uh, throw throw at you or throw at me. Um, and you know, with with the idea of well, you know, once we arrested Barkowitz, the shooting stopped. Well, that doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out why they stopped. I mean, if you arrest a guy for for being the the forty four caliber killer. Why in God's name would you pick up a forty-four caliber and shoot somebody else while he's in jail? That would kind of put the heat right back on you. Um, you know, the, so I mean, I know that's uh, I know I'm simplifying it, but but not really. Uh, Eighteen, eighteen people, um, or thirteen, thirteen people have passed away uh, in the um, in the twelve months after Berkowitz was arrested. You know, Thirteen people that were that were you know were, were involved in this, and uh, they all met you know uh, you know they they all met uh, untimely deaths you know break lines cut um, you know suicide with two bullet bullet wounds you know strange stories like that, um, and of course you know you go back to the original if you believe in the you know what was behind the son of Sam. You know, and the cult and uh, the pedophilia. Well, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't even really mention that because everyone would just say you're nuts. That doesn't happen. Uh, but you know, in the last 20 years, a lot of things have happened in that in that arena. You know, I guess starting with uh, I hate to say it, but starting with you know with the priests in the Catholic Church, and and you know, going right to more recent with uh, you know Epstein. Um, you know this, uh, this you know human trafficking and uh, and um, you know uh, uh, pedophilia is um, is alive. Unfortunately, it's alive and well in the United States and, and around the world. So no, yeah. So I, I I do believe they're still doing what they do. I mean that's a pretty big uh, trail of death that that was left behind after Berkowitz was arrested. So you would think that would you the police would be able to find it. At the time, there wasn't the same statistical pressure as there are as there is now for precincts uh, with quotas, particularly in New York. So why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't the police want to catch the correct killer? Well, a lot of stories would have to be rewritten. Um, you know, I'm sure you're. Well, if you're not, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, over 300 um, uh, NYPD personnel got promotions uh, on. Uh, you know, based on the arrest of uh, Berkowitz. Uh, a few few cops, um, you know, actually made a career. That was their their crowning glory, um, and, um, and you know, and it, you know, for for right now, it's like let's sleep in dogs' lives, and no, no pun intended. But you know, why why would you reopen a case when we have a guy in jail? Um, uh, my book, um, my book is not going to reopen the case. I mean, I believe me, I wish I wish it was that powerful where it would reopen the case. But there's, in my opinion, there's bigger powers than me, um, who uh, who uh, will, will never reopen the case. 
for, for a lot of different reasons. I, I just touched on the most obvious. Uh, you know, it's a closed case. Why reopen? So you're, you're pretty much saying, uh, really, that um, they'll, they'll really never um, capture or the person that really shot you, in your mind, will never really be brought to justice then. Well, you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, I'm not going to say never. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think a few things have to happen uh, for, the, for for you know for the authorities to take it serious. And uh, what comes to mind uh, to me is uh, you know somebody who was in, involved. Maybe you know maybe they never pulled the trigger, but they were at a shooting or two shootings, and they know who the players are, and they get jammed up with something uh, that's more serious than. Uh, you know, being at a shooting scene, uh, you know, especially like mine because it was a murder. You know, statute of limitations probably runs out on uh, on uh, attempted murder. You know, um, yeah. and you know they trade their information, and and then that information could be corroborated by information that that myself and some other uh, researchers have, um, along with Berkowitz's you know, testimony that is already on the record um, that, you know, that's a possibility, but um, I'm not holding my breath for it. I would like it, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really see it. Yeah. Well, uh, now, um, do you have a website yourself now or um, where where do you say people should go? Yeah, um, I will have a website. It, it should be up, and uh, it's almost done. It, uh, but it, it's, it's very simple, carldenaro.com. Um, my book uh, will be available on it. I have some other things on there that may be of interest. Um, in the Son of Sam, um, and I also, like I said, I, I, I'm the admin for the uh, the official Maury Terry uh, Ultimate Evil Son of Sam uh, Facebook group. Uh, you can always um, ask for, um, you know, uh, to get into the to get into the group. Uh, but just uh, just give you give your uh, listeners a fair warning. If uh, if you don't have any personal information, um, I, you're not getting that. Uh, you know, I I need to know. Uh, I need to know if you're a real person. I really don't care who you are. Um, but I. I don't let uh, I don't let people in with you know with no information and a funny name and a face you know a profile picture that changes every three weeks because uh, we we don't need workers yeah. in the group we need researchers so we're, we're it, it, this right. is not an entertainment site yeah so there so, you go no. Brian you're yeah. not getting in um, <laughs> well I, I know that I know that this, sounds uh, very very cold but I. I I'll be honest with you. I have over, I have over 300 people waiting to get into the group, and there's, like I said, there's. You got to give me a reason to let you in the group. I, and, and again, it's got to be more than just your entertainment. If you just want entertainment, then go to carldenauer.com and you can be entertained there. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it, and um, we will have. Um, your book linked up to our website so people can find it real easy when they listen. Oh, great. Um, Again, uh, the book is called Son of Sam and Me. It's the truth about why I wasn't shot by David Berkowitz, and our guest was the author, Carl De Niro. Thank you for being here. Okay, thanks for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.